June 12, 1981. Steven Spielberg's Raiders of the Lost Ark opened in theaters nationwide to universal acclaim and massive box office. It also opened the eyes of two young boys from Holbrook, Long Island, siblings who were actually initially reluctant to see it. Good thing their parents were persistent because two hours later, their lives were forever changed. Those two kids were me and my big brother, Jim. The film became an immediate bond between the two of us, one that still exists to this day. So to celebrate the film's anniversary, I can think of no one better to join me for a conversation that's been 40 years in the making. He's Jim Kamlick, and this is Back by Popular Demand. Okay, Jim, I had to um, I had to start this episode off with the old man. So I had two choices. I'm going to see. I'm going to test your your Raiders trivia. Um, I could have done the old man. Come sit down. Come sit down. Or I could have said something else to open. Um, what do you think the other one was? Oh, my goodness. From Raiders. Yep. Like Rakama Matuso Ramatan. No, it's, it's a line that would have been a perfect start to the episode. Now. What shall we talk about? That is exactly right. <laughs> it would have been Tot, the, the evil German. What shall we talk about? We talk that was about? the other one. It was either that or the old man. I chose both the old good man. Decisions. And I stand behind it. Um, anyway, you're my first repeat guest. What can I say? Um, congrats. I'm not surprised by that. But uh, how does it feel? It's going to go right to my head. Yeah. Are you where, ready? Where it should be. And I was gonna ask I was gonna ask you before we get started, I was gonna ask you to do your impersonation of the kid in the cage from Temple of Doom. Oh, but he's uh he's a he's like <laughs> what does he say? He's like you become like them, the black sleep of Kali. Is that the kid you're talking you, about? You don't wake up from nightmare. <laughs> you don't wake up from nightmare. Uh we're we're uh we're in big trouble with this episode. Um anyway, you were in episode three with Malone, uh, which actually happens to be my second uh, most downloaded episode. So congratulations. The first one's always gonna be the first because that's just there's more interest in and experimentation. But uh I have a feeling that this one might surpass number two. So we'll uh we'll see. So this and for my listeners, this was an impromptu podcast. My brother and I literally decided to do this yesterday, about twenty-four hours ago. This was not planned, but in the spirit of the fortieth anniversary. I'm going to quote um, Indiana Jones and just say that we are making this up as we go. Outstanding. Uh, so, yes, June 12th, 1981 was uh, the release of Raiders of the Lost Ark across the country. Um, let's, Jim, let's set the stage for where you and I uh, were in 1981. I know you have a, a story about this in terms of uh, how Raiders entered our lives. So I, the mic is yours. Yeah, I mean, I I had some uh, some Facebook ramblings. Of my my folks that follow me on Facebook lo- love I they know I love to tap into uh, some memories, and I put something up. I had been thinking about it all week. I know that yesterday was the actual anniversary, and you know, we Dennis and I grew up in uh, Long Island, Holbrook, New York, and uh, it was a great place to grow up. It was safe, and uh, we were planning on uh, moving for the rest of our life. Our, our dad worked for uh, Union Carbide. He, he was His headquarters was being relocated to Connecticut, and um, we had no choice but to move. And somehow Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. We had no knowledge of this movie coming out. We didn't hear about it. We didn't see trailers for it. There was no internet. There was no texting. 
And it was uh, just thing, uh, newspaper ads and some TV spots. That's all you had. But I mean, then. but I'm right. It just got biased. We had we had no knowledge of it coming out. I mean, we had the move on the brain, and we we had tunnel vision. And the story that I told was that we had um, two ladies named Judy that lived on the next block. Uh, Judy Ruppel, Judy Sanchez. One was nicknamed Big Judy. She was a taller woman. One was nicknamed Little Judy. She was a shorter woman. Um, big I don't Judy remember the big and little Judy. I don't remember. Oh, that absolutely, absolutely. I remember so, the Judys. I definitely remember the Judys, but oh, yeah. I do not remember the uh, the designations. But as the story was told, and I and I texted Dennis, I texted you on Wednesday because I was telling Oliver the story. I'm like, maybe I'm not remembering the story right. But you acknowledged it right away. But you know, Big Judy's family went to see it. I think they might have went to see it opening weekend, and uh, they loved it. And the word quickly spread around the Holbrook neighborhood that Big Judy was a big fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And uh, she was describing the movie as a love story. And if you're into a love story, you're going to love Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> um, Dennis and I, young, impressionable, we're like, well, we're not in a love story. So there's no way in hell we want to go see this movie. My mom, I think my mom was Big Judy's bowling partner. And I think my mom's like, listen, Big Judy gives us a, a rave, you know, rave recommendation. I'm like, mom, Big Judy's reputation in movie telling, I, I don't. I don't know if that's a source. And uh, like you described, Dennis, we that we were dragged kicking and screaming into the theater. And what I, I mean, obviously, I was 10 years old and certainly don't remember much about the theaters in my life back then. But I, I kind of feel like I don't know why I think this, but did we see it at a theater that it was in a strip mall on Sunrise Highway? That's exactly Does that sound right. right. That's exactly right? right. That's that. That's my you know, when I can say that we were allowed to get bonbons, but I, I don't know. I think a lot of my memories are meshing together. But I, but I, I do remember it. It wasn't in our normal theater for some reason. And uh, maybe the, I, I don't know. And uh, well, yeah, I, I, I do remember it being referred to as a, a romantic comedy, which um, which it's not. Let's just let's let's be clear. I mean, I don't but, think it is. I've seen it a handful of times. I don't. Are, I've seen it a few times. There are there's romance in it and there are comedic elements Correct. in it, but I would not call it a romantic no. comedy. No, so here, here's what I'll say about Raiders. I'm I'm going to start, um, and I obviously will will ask you the, the same question. But for me, Raiders held the title as as probably my favorite movie of all time for many years. Um, and I will say that it probably breaks my heart a little bit to say this, but I can say that now. I, I can say at 50 that it's my number one favorite movie of all time. I would say that that's Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. But this is what I'll say. I would say Raiders is a very close number two, possibly even a, a 1A. Okay. Uh, I guess, well, I guess 1B. Uh, Kubrick would be 1A. Raiders would be 1B. And that there's a very special place in my heart for it and that it was probably the movie of my childhood, yeah. but not necessarily the movie of my adulthood. I, I, you know, Dennis, I, I wrote a note here. And I I wrote this about you, and I'm I told you I'm gonna I'm doing the two screen experience here because I didn't want to leave anything out. I said, Dennis, you saw Raiders the way you were supposed to see it as a ten year old kid in the theater with snacks, and that's a life impact. I mean, when Spielberg, I mean, I, again, I mean, I I hear the 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 reputation of Spielberg. He's a great guy. He's the guy you want directing your movie. He's a nice guy, and I think he made this for you. I like to think he made it for me too. But I was fifteen, you were ten. I think you were the sweet spot. You think I, so? I, yeah, I think I think so. I think 10 or 11, 12. I mean, maybe that's, you know, again, we can get in the PG, PG 13. You know, I watched it with my kids yesterday. Oliver and Alice, shout out. Uh, we watched it yesterday, so I was fresh in my mind. And, you know, again, it's PG 13 today. There's no argument about that. But it is, you know, I, you know it's it's got a lot of violence in it. But it is, I feel like it's still comic book violence. Um, you know, when the guy gets it at the plane, you don't see him get it. You just see the blood splatter. So it is throttle down violence. But I mean, I think it's made for that sweet spot, 10 to 12 and me as a 15 year old. 
So I, you know, I, I've seen that movie as have you on the big screen many years since then, right? Since I was ten, and and certainly much later in my life when I when I appreciated film differently. And you know, one of the things I've always said to myself is I wish I could experience certain movies for the first time when I was more of a film appreciator than I am, you know, than I was at the time yep. that I saw that. So Raiders is a good example of that. Raiders is one of those movies at 10. I, to your point, I saw it as with the eyes of a 10 year old, which was amazing and, and certainly vastly entertaining. But if I saw it for the first time in my life, when I was 35, when I looked at film differently and yeah. appreciate film differently and writing and directing and framing, like that would have been a real phenomenal experience for me to watch something like that for the first time so tell me like you were a little bit older than me but you know you were 15 almost 16 when it came out like what was it what was it about raiders for you that that resonated as much as it did well i figured you were going to ask me something like this and i should probably have a better answer but i think that it was something that i had never seen before i mean because you can call raiders a period piece but it was, but it wasn't. I mean, it was it was a reinvention of things that we had seen or had not seen. Um, I, you know, I, I looked at um, Harrison Ford on the filmography today on IMDb, and and it is funny that it is you know the the second Star Wars movie had come out the year before, right? I got my dates right, and I think they left us Harrison Ford, Han Solo, Star Wars. They left us kind of with a hole in our heart, and I think when that movie popped. You know, we didn't know it was coming because we were stupid back then. But when that movie popped, I think it helped fill a void. And we're like, wait a minute. This is the guy from the the movie that we that we're so passionate about. We have the action figures of. And I think when it hit, it just checked every box. You know, it just checked every box. And it was just a complete unknown of this, that this guy who we loved so much already, who was already a household name in the Kemlock household, could actually don a different costume could actually be in a different period, could do different things and have different one-liners that we were like, what, how can this be? Like, how could it know, be in two different franchises, right? Right. I mean, that would be like, like, you know, Roger Moore, like we grew up in a James Bond household and I'm not going to, not to digress too far, but it's like, you know, Roger Moore was James Bond. The only other thing we saw Roger Moore in was Cannonball Run and he was doing a spoof of James Bond. So yep. it's like, we weren't used to having this, you know, where you have a Tom Cruise now where Tom Cruise does this, this, and this Harrison Ford is Han Solo. I mean, that was our guy. So I mean, yeah. I think it was it was a little bit mind numbing to see him take on this and take it on so well. You know, you and I both listened to the uh, the rewatchables episode this past week. Like Love a lot the of rewatchables to celebrate the uh, the fortieth, and you know they they spend a little bit of time talking about Tom Selleck, and obviously there was a there was a moment in time where Tom Selleck was going to be Indiana Jones, and um, the only thing that was stopping it was from his his commitment contractually with uh, Magnum PI. But how do you how do you feel Raiders would have been with a with a Tom Selleck as the lead? You know, it's, it's, you know, that's the question, right? I mean, you can ask that about any of my favorite movies. You can take Goodwill Hunting and say, hey, if Robin Williams wasn't, you know, that, I, you know, I think the movie would have probably been brilliant. And I, I think that's probably the wrong answer to the Harrison Ford fans. But I mean, the movie was well orchestrated. It was written well. The sound is great. The music is great. It, you know, like I said, checks every box. So, I mean, if Tom Selleck, I like Tom Selleck. I like him on Friday. I do too. I wasn't a big Magnum fan, but I mean, he's a good looking guy. I mean, I'll say that. Um, I think the movie would have been fine. It would have been it would have been interesting to see how his career would have evolved. Harrison Ford would have been fine. He wasn't going anywhere. Um, but I'm glad it played out the way it did. You know, when you play, you play those drinking games, when people ask you, like, if you saw any celebrity, what would you ask them? Right. So if yeah. I ran into Tom Selleck at a bar, I would <laughs> okay. be like, you know, first of all, I'd, I'd buy him a beer and then I'd be like, Tom. 
I got to ask you this question, and I'm sure you've been asked before. He but hates, like, he must the, hate that question. The first, the first time you watched Raiders <laughs> on the big screen, you were either at some sort of screening room, or maybe you saw it in the theater with everybody else. But like, what was going through your mind when you watched oh it? Because you know that 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 could have been you. He's got a stock answer for that. You know, he'd say, "Hey, it's it's a brilliant film. I'm happy for Harrison. I'm I'm happy the film has had such success, such lasting success, or something that he said a million times over." I'd I'd have that line ready, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about Raiders. I mean, I'm not even sure if you and I have ever even had this conversation, but what's, what's your favorite moment or your favorite scene or, or favorite sequence from this film? You and I know this movie insanely well. So talk yeah. to me about it. I would say that um, without hesitation, and I just hesitated, there would be the truck scene, I think, start to finish the truck scene. Um, I, I can kind of remember us acting out the truck scene with our bicycles on Patrician Street back in the day. If we if we didn't, we thought about doing it. Um, we had to have. But um, I think that the truck scene is a, it's a fabulous take, and it's just the fact that this guy just keeps coming. And it really, up until that point in the film, you're like, man, this guy really is taking a beating. But that whole truck scene, you know, it's ridiculous. And I was I was watching it last night with the kids. Two, two things about the truck scene is that I really feel like it establishes the villain of the movie. That guy, the old guy, there's a whole bunch of people in the back of that truck, but there's a guy, he's the last one to get out. He waits for everybody to go do their thing and fall off into the desert, into the bushes. But that last old guy, he's probably younger than I am now, but that last old guy, he gets into that thing and he starts punching Indy in the arm that he just got shot in. I mean, I'm like, who does that to somebody? I mean, you could say, well, he's a Nazi, but who does that to somebody? And then I think the other thing that sets that scene apart from the music selection is when Indy's on the horse and he's up on the, on the high cliff. And just as he starts down that thing, and it's, again, I talked too much during the movie. My, my family was okay. Cause they, they've seen it before with me and we watched it yesterday. But when he starts down that cliff face on the horse and John Williams music starts with a brum, 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 it just gets me. Cause I know what's about to happen. That whole montage. Love it. How's that? Well, Jim, uh, there's a little bit of serendipity here. I'm going to I'm going to spoil a surprise for you. So I recorded my my opening here. So I recorded my opening, uh, what I call the cold open, which is my intro to each episode. And then I I choose the music, uh, the music cue after that. The music cue that I chose for this episode is that exact sequence. Shut up, really? Where to God (laughs) when he's when he's on the horse and he's 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 riding down the hill and the drums kick in. And it's that's exactly. So when you listen to this episode later, you're going to hear that. Well, it's just it's fabulous. And like it just it just gets you in the heart. And it's like, you know, what's coming and this whole thing is like it is it is literally and like, oh, Harrison Ford got dragged behind the truck. He did his own scenes, whatever he did, whatever he didn't do. That whole scene is fantastic. It's just well, yeah, I mean, I would I would put the truck sequence as my second. It's number two for me in terms of overall favorite. I mean, obviously, when he's being dragged behind the truck is incredible. And then when he's underneath the truck and he sticks the whip up into the, into the and he's just, you know, he's hanging there and he's 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 his butt scraping the dirt. And then obviously when he gets thrown through the front window and he's he's, he's hanging on the front, that all of that is just. And I think the thing that I that I like the most about that sequence is just the fact that it's all stunt work, you know, yep. And I mean, I would love to have just seen how they made that and how, how many days that must have taken for them to, to choreograph and to shoot all that just because it, it there, there wasn't any green screen. You can tell right. that that was just it's all no CGI. It's just what you see is what you get. Yep. But I got to I got to go for the opening sequence. I got to go the you know, when Indy's is he's going for the idol and it's the whole just thing. the whole <laughs> opening credits. The Paramount logo turns into the mountain and then Indy enters the frame. And it, it's just like 
what an amazing intro, but just the whole, all the booby traps and, and everything that sequence is just, it's the balls to me. <laughs> I, I got to go. I, I got to go my, number one. Told my kids yesterday, we play this game called Unlimited Wealth. I said, and he's, and he's looking there and him and Satipo there and Satipo had just said the line, you know, we must hurry. There's nothing to fear here. And he shoves them up against the wall. And I said to the kids, I said, if I had unlimited wealth, I would create a TV room in my basement that looked like that whole opening Peruvian temple. And like yep. to get to the couch where the TV is, you would have to walk along. And as you touch the tiles, like they would shoot Nerf darts at you. And I, I was like, that would cost a lot of money. I'm like, dude, unlimited wealth. I just said unlimited, unlimited wealth. wealth. There's got to be somebody in this world that's got something. Somebody like has that. that. Right. Somebody has yeah. to have that. And then I always get a little bit tense whenever you see Indy pull out the sand from the little the little satchel that he's got, and he's trying to weigh that the sack weight and the, what he thinks the idol weighs, and he takes that little bit extra out and he throws it, and that was the difference. I think that was the difference. Listen, I'm going to hold this up, and I know it's stupid because it's a podcast; people can't see me. This thing, <laughs> okay, this is the idol. It's been it's been banged around. Its chin is is dinged up. This thing weighs more than the sack of sand that Indy had. When he scoops up the sand to walk in, I'm like, you're, you're, you're taking, you're stealing this solid gold statue. And you see how much sand he's got in that bag. It's not even close to the weight. He botched yep. that one. For my listeners, my brother is literally holding what I think is the actual, the actual idol, yeah. right? I mean, it's the actual one. It. Yeah. It's the fertility goddess, goddess of whatever it is. I don't know. Well, I'm going to return a favor and I'm going to hold the, oh, the, yeah. the actual medallion, which is the headpiece to the staff of Ra. I have that in my hand. I had, When I got this, Jim, I actually had to call State Farm Insurance because when I was getting my insurance policy for the yeah. house, I needed for them to understand. Yeah, you want to put that in there. Does it have writing on both sides? Because that's important. It's got, it's got markings on okay. both sides. So, okay. so I know that's... that we will always be digging in the right place. What percentage of the movie's dialogue do you think you you know? Like, give me give me a number. I would say if, I mean, to be spot on and like have every word perfectly correct, I would say that I am probably somewhere between 80 and 90%. I was going to say 84, 85% is how much of that movie I know. Yeah. If we turn the volume down and I had a bunch of people like myself that took roles, I mean, we would, we would not stumble on too many things. No. And for a first timer, you'd be able to follow the plot just fine with my knowledge of the movie. I mean, it's, I mean, I do think, and I, and I thought about this last night when I was watching it, I do think it is the most viewed film of my life. Um, I, th- I, don't, I don't really know what number two would be, but I probably watch Raiders at least once a year, probably more so back when I was a younger man. But I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I've got it down. Oh, yeah, I got to agree with you that it's a top five most watched film yeah. in my life. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's too many others that, that top it. So um, so based on the dialogue, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this because you and I quote this movie all the time. We quote it to each other in texts and road trips, and we lived together for many years. But what, what are your – give me your you know, one or two top three favorite lines from this film. I think that every foreign dialogue quote – is probably my favorite. I love the song. I love the song. And this is a shout out to Buck. I know that usually when you and I are Buck together, we'll sing the digging song. You and sure. I, you and I can sing it right now. And I, and again, that's probably not PC because I'm probably hacking some culture that Steven Spielberg put time into. Um, but that I, that's up there. I already said, you know, like Pistade. I love that stuff. I love Rakamamatusa Ramatan when he holds the idol up above his head, all that kind of stuff. How about I wanted you to do another impersonation? So when Indy steals the um the cost the, the Nazi costume at the island loading dock and that guy comes up and gives him the business. 
What does that, what does that guy say to Harrison Ford? I know uh, you know. He's in, he's in the uh, the subway depot, right? And <laughs> exactly he's getting, right. He's, he, he gets busted by the other guy. The other guy comes up to him. He goes, <laughs> and I apologize. I listen. First of all, I'm going to say that I've got a lot of German in my background, so I'm. I'm I, yeah, I we love I'm, the Germans. We love the German. My grandpa Max was German, so it's it's something like this. Unta, him, and then after that, Indy Indy punches the guy in the stomach, and his hat jumps up, and Indy grabs the guy's hat, and then after that, you know, that's oh all he God. gets to say. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. Oh, it is pretty good. Are there any um, English lines like you know that you like? I like um, I like any you know everything Sala says. I like when he says, you know, my friends, I'm so pleased that you're not dead. I mean, that's just kind of like on the nose. I like every speech Belloc gives, um, you know, Indiana, you know, your life's pursuits have been in search of archaeological relics inside the ark are treasures beyond your wildest imaginations. You want to see it open as well as I, Indiana, we are merely passing through history. This, and then he does the hands, this yep. is history. Do as you will. But yeah, all those lines. And, you know, and again, like it, it, the fact that those lines resonate so well with us. I mean, we know what the, the Nazi communique said that the guys intercepted the tennis development proceeding. I mean, everybody, if you're a Raiders fan, you have that like a scalpel. You have it right at your fingertips. And that's just kind of fun. Tennis development proceeding. Acquire. Acquire headpiece. Staff of Ra. Abner Ravenwood, Ravenwood U.S. U.S. I mean, everybody knows that. Even those two guys, like in that scene, I can't say that's my favorite scene, but you could say, well, that, you know, everything, you know, that big opening montage scene, and then it slows down. But like, even that scene's awesome because as far as like plot setup, like those guys are brilliant. I mean, you watch yep. the two of them, those two actors who I'm sure are long gone, but those two actors are so good. You know, you got the mean one and you got the like the, 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 the aloof one, it's just oh, it's so good. Well, the best the best part about that, I agree with that scene, sets the stage for the stakes of the entire movie, which is really brilliantly written. I think it's also the, when they, the moment when they both know that they're they found the right guy, and oh, that you know that, that you know Doctor Jones and Marcus Brody are that these guys like wow, we just hit pay dirt with these two. And he says the, the guy part. says he said, clearly, he, clearly we've come to the right people. All right, so for me, my favorites, I already quoted a couple of them. One was you know I don't know, I'm making this up as I go. Um, which is amazing because that just seemed like almost like a throwaway line. And I, 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 yeah. I hope that it was, I hope it, that Lawrence Kasdan actually wrote that, but it's, it's such a great line. And then the, you know, to what you said earlier, what shall we talk about? I'm a big fan of Tot, the German. He's just a great villain. And then uh, you quoted Belloc and I, you know, I have another one from him, which is your persistence surprises even me. You're going to give mercenaries a bad name. I think that's a good one. And that just captures a it's lot of the essence of these two guys chasing, chasing down the arc. The brilliance of Raiders exists on so many levels because it's not just the big moments, it's the little moments. You know, I, I love when, you know, that student leaves the apple on his desk on the way out and it starts to roll. And I like to think they only did one take and it was like, hey, it'll be funny. Somebody's giving him an apple. Ha ha ha. But like that apple starts to roll and it's like M Marcus Brody comes in. And if he wasn't right there, that apple would have rolled off that thing. I mean, watch it. I've watched it a million times. That apple would have rolled off Indy's desk. That's great. You know, we talked about the, the sub depot at the island when Indy gets the costume on and Brody's uh, Belloc's walking toward him and he, he throws a shoulder at him. And I'm like, well, like gives, him, you, gives him a little shove. Yeah, sure. like, why would you do that? Like you're supposed to be in disguise. you got to like, get the whole enemy campus here. But he's like, no, I'm going to I'm just going to give him a little something, something because he left me in a well of souls to die. I'm going to give him a little shoulder. And it's just like and then he has this grin on his face. I'm like, God, that's like 
awesome little details for this movie and it's yeah and i would i would even like the the author probably the other thing for me is like when he's in the map room and he finally gets the he's by himself for a few minutes and he gets the staff into the into the right hole and the sun comes up and it goes through the the medallion and and all of a sudden you know the music kicks in and there's just a a big cinematic moment there that's pure spielberg and like that just that scene to this day i watch that it still gives me goosebumps because you know indy found it and like it's it's so it's pretty awesome and people and people have problems with that and and we're going to get into my problem with the height of the staff of Ra. but i mean people have problems with that thing they're like well the sun's going to come up with that thing would just the thing would just shoot different different shots onto the floor and i'm like well the movie has a supernatural feel to it there's a sci-fi element to it so like that's not hard for me to believe that that exact moment that that thing is going to hit and it's just going to illuminate. So I had no yeah. problem with that. So you you referenced earlier how many times we've probably seen this movie. So I was thinking about it. So the VHS cassette came out for this movie in December of 83. I looked it up. And that, I guess that would have been about a year or so after we got our first family VCR, which was a, a Panasonic top loader. Um, you and I have talked about this before. The first movie we watched was? Uh, it was First Blood. It was the original First Blood. First Blood was the first cassette that we that we ever watched on the VCR. So this was a time when movies were rarely available to purchase to own, like like people buy movies today. Back then in the early 80s, it was a rental market. You had to go to your video store. We had the video connection. We had uh, video fantasies in Brookfield, if yep. I recall. But if you wanted to buy the movie um, like you did for The Empire Strikes Back, it cost something like 80 bucks. It's a lot of money. Um, and I remember you finally bought empire for 80 dollars because you needed to have the movie that badly and i remember dad just busting your ass about it oh, like, yeah. what are you, jimmy jimmy why are you buying oh, empire strikes God. back for 80 dollars right so i remember when raiders came out um that that christmas you know obviously I, I my gut tells me paramount saw some sort of opportunity to to price it differently and i think the movie had done so well they knew that people wanted it so they priced it for 39 bucks or something close to that you and i were giddy and i, I think we probably took the day off from school to go to go sure. buy it and um, here's what I remember about that video. The first time we watched that VHS was, and I hope you remember this. I, I've watched, got it on my watched, notes. You know what I'm about to say? I know what you're about to say, but say it anyway. All right. Well, then you got to tell me if I was, if you were right. Was that they had a tease trailer. Unbelievable. For Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which was coming out the following summer in, in 84. But the tease didn't even have like any clips or footage no from footage the movie because they obviously weren't done. So they just used like recut scenes from Raiders. But like, and it couldn't have been more than like 40 seconds or 45 seconds. But you and I were like, we lost our minds. Nothing. It was it was nothing but a map. And it had the plane. It had narration. And it said, next summer you know, live from, you know, Macau, you know, shot from we're all, all over the country. And then it like shows the plane that we know from Raiders with the red line. And then I think at the very end, it cuts to Harrison Ford. He says, trust me. And I don't even know if that was new footage. I think that was from Raiders. I think it was. I think it was from the bar in Nepal. It's something like that, right? To this day, best trailer ever. We watched we watched that VHS so many times that I remember back in the day, you know, like the uh, the cardboard sleeve that the cassettes yeah. came in. I, I remember the corners would get like kind oh. of frayed after a while because we we just watched Raiders. So here I have one beef about the, the I guess I'll call it the video um, marketplace for Raiders of Lost Ark. And you probably know what I'm about to say, possibly. So years later, when you know DVDs came along and Blu-rays came along, Paramount finally released all three. Um, I guess all four in, in a in a Blu-ray package, but they renamed Raiders of the Lost Ark, I guess because of the naming convention of the other films, they wanted it to all match, but they called it, this is literally on the DVD case. They called it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And for me, I got to just say this, I think someone should have lost their job for that. Dude, that you, just- you were so mad when they did that. <laughs> you were so mad. I had to talk you off the ledge. 
You were so mad. I was like, listen, they're like, well, you don't, you don't have to change perfection. I'm like, I know, but it's like, it's just, we just got to move on from it. But it was, it was a, it was a ridiculous move. I agree. It was, it's, sorry. Well, so you referenced the, uh, there was, you had some, you have some flaws or some issues with the staff of raw. What, what's your beef? What's going on there? Well, I mean, again, I, I, I think that I'd like to think that this was a, a Jim Camlick original that I discovered this mathematical anomaly in the movie. But as you know, after Marion dies, um, Sala takes Indy to go see the shaman and you know, that, that older guy, he's like, you know, come, come sit down, come sit down. This is written in the old way. This say six kadam high to honor the Hebrew God who's no, no, six kadam high. And then somebody off camera says about 72 inches. Salah Sala says that. So yep. basically a kadam is, and I ran this by Oliver, a kadam is basically a foot. And then he flips it over and he says, but wait, take back one kadam to honor the Hebrew God whose ark this is. So yep. if by saying take it back, that would make the staff of Ra five feet tall instead of six feet tall. Correct. When you fast forward to the map room, and he drops the staff down. He climbs down on the rope, and he, you know, he puts it in. I mean, the the staff is well over Indiana's head. It looks like it's seven feet tall. That's fair. So, so that's a big problem. The other big problem, and you talked about it earlier, is when he gets down there on his hands and knees, and he's trying to figure out which peg to put the staff in. And you see him; he traces it with his finger, and he puts it in, so he knows where Belloc put his staff in. But Indy's got this magic notebook. With all of his notes and his and his research, he knows that that one's not right, and he yep. goes back about another six inches. He blows the he blows the dust out of that hole and puts his staff in that hole. So, like, I'm not quite sure where were that did he have was that the Grell diary that he had in his hands? I'm like, I'm not sure what was going on there, but I'm going to let it go. But the staff was too the staff was too long. The only thing I would say to that is that maybe because of the structure of the map room with all the you know the mini. I guess the mini city that it, it replicates, I think maybe some of that stuff was built up off the ground so that when he does put the staff in, it's elevated. You see what I'm saying? Like it wasn't, it wasn't ground level. Or when he says, take back one Kadam, that actually means like by taking one back, you're taking one back, putting it back on. Yep. So it's yep. actually supposed to be seven Kadam high. So in that same bar conversation with Tom Selleck, if Steve Spielberg shows up, you might want to ask him that question. I would totally ask him. And he's like, look, I've heard, I've heard it all before. I've heard it all before. So I don't, you know, that's, that's fine. All right. So one of the things I want to talk about, cause you know, I'm into film marketing and entertainment marketing is kind of, kind of my jam and what I do for a living. But I had always wanted a Raiders poster when I was a kid. And, and certainly um, back in 1981, those things were hard to get. I, I didn't have one. I have one now, which I'm, I'm proud to say, but back in 1981, movie posters were just not easy to acquire. You really needed to, know somebody at the studio or do you need it to work at a movie theater and, and actually did work at one six years later. But, um, you know, what I will tell you, and I hope that you remember this, you came through to me in a huge way in 1984. You worked at Service Merchandise in Danbury, Connecticut, and your boss, you worked in the warehouse in the back, and your boss's name was George Goral. Did I get the last name right? You got it exactly right. That's unbelievable that I still remember that. And I remember somehow that George had a connection through his mother, and I don't know what the connection was, but she, somehow she got me the one sheet for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I swear I had that poster on my wall for like the next four or five years. Um, and I had a, a bunch of indie stuff all around my bedroom. But I remember that to this day. I don't, I don't know how you got that, but I just want to thank you yet again. Yeah, you're very welcome. But I got to tell you what, man, I remember a lot of stuff about Raiders coming out, but I don't, rem- I don't remember that at all. Really? Yeah, you know, if I can get George Gore on the phone later, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll call him and say you're still thankful. 
I am very thankful. All right. So I want to talk about Temple of Doom and, and the other movies. But let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. This episode of Back by Popular Demand is sponsored by The Waffle Company, the first ever get and give pet bed company in the world, which means for every bed sold, they donate a bed to a shelter dog in need. That just makes me smile. Those who know me will tell you how much I respect animal rescue, and I adore my two boxer rescues, Sammy and Gabby. And trust me when I say that they love their waffle bed. My dog dad stock went up big time when their waffle arrived. Whether I'm watching a favorite movie, a baseball game, or listening to music, one of them is always lounging on their waffle, gnawing away on their favorite shark chew toy. Waffle beds are made with organic cotton canvas and filled with pure K-pop cotton, which is lightweight, hypoallergenic, and eco-friendly. The beds come with two washable exterior layers that are very easy to reassemble once clean. It looks brand new every time I wash it. Look, you love your dogs. I sure love mine. And we'll pretty much do anything in the world for them. So get them a waffle. By doing so, you're ensuring a shelter dog can sleep better at night. And that should make you sleep better at night. Order them at waffleco.com. It's spelled just like the breakfast waffle, but with an O. Again, that's waffleco.com. And as a thank you to listening to this podcast, be sure to use the promo code Dennis20 to receive a 20% discount on your purchase. The Waffle Company is based in Columbus, Ohio, and all of its products are made with great care right here in the USA. Okay, let's get back to the pod. Okay, so let's talk about Temple of Doom. I remember you and I saw Temple at the Translux Cine which was actually the, the, the very same movie theater that I ended up working at when I was uh, 16 years old. So we saw it in 1984. Um, I kind of feel like we got in line at the Cine around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Obviously, back in the day, there were no advance sales. So no. you basically just had to get in line like everybody else and hope that you got a ticket. And I feel like you and I, I would guess that you and I were like number eight or nine. Yeah, we were early. We got to get in line. And, my, right? and, our, and our mom's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you going? You going down there now? Mom, we got to get in line. And I, I, I don't know why I still remember that day, but I remember everything about that day. I was so excited to see that movie. Now I'm 13 years old and, you know, God knows how many times we watch Raiders between 81 and 84. But I also remember that when we got to our seats, we, there was just like this, this like excitement in the theater that they had an usher um, rolling around some sort of cart. And I think you remember this. And this guy was selling or this woman was selling commemorative issues or like magazines of the movie right i think i bought one i think i you think definitely bought selling, yeah i think they were selling like yearbooks and i think they were selling like the comic book version they had a whole bunch of paraphernalia it was awesome i do remember Isn't that, that incredible incredible but but it all but it but it made you feel special like i can go to the concession stand but they're like selling stuff like right here like we're part of something something's right. about to happen yeah i i just my mind was blown with that so we saw the movie and i listen i was 13 years old i will admit that at that time in my life, gore in movies made me a little bit uncomfortable. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, uh, and the when, he, when that that poor bastard got his heart ripped out um, in in uh, with by Mola Ram, that definitely was not easy for me to watch. Yet at the same time, when Tot's face burned off at the end of Raiders, I had no problem with that. Right. So weird. I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> Maybe they just they they up the graphics and they up the uh, the special effects, and like when you ripped the heart out, you're like, wow, that actually does look. When you yep. watch when you watch Tot, I mean, Mary Lou was laughing last night when his face melted, and I was like, "Don't laugh at that. This this is this is this is serious. That looks real. She, that doesn't look real." I'm like, "It does look, it does look real." So, in 1984, it was the arrival of the fedora. And now, you are wearing a fedora right now as we speak in this conversation. I had a feeling that you would, but talk to me about how the fedora uh, found its way 
in and out of your life in 1984? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, I, again, dressing up for a podcast that nobody will see, but this is my Indiana Jones shirt. And I, I think I did wear this to episode four. I know we probably won't be spending a lot of time talking about crystal skull. Um, but yeah, so the hat, so this is, you know, this is the second Indiana Jones hat that I've owned. Um, the way I remember it when I um, graduated high school back in 1984, um, I think it was a friends slash family joint gift. This was presented to me. I remember seeing pictures of there was a bunch of people, you know, my buddy Kevin were all graduating high school. And I remember I was blowing out the cake together and I had the hat on looking like a like a like a like a dork. But um, yeah, so this was the hat. Um, I took it away to college with me. You want you want the story how I lost it like Indiana Jones? Let's hear it. You know, I, I went to I went to college and I probably was probably um, sophomore year. Um, a very, very good friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. He was, um, I guess, putting the moves on. Did the kids still say putting the moves on? I'm not sure what the kids are saying he today. Was, he was saying that he was putting the moves on um, a young lady. And uh, I, I look up and, and she's got the hat on. I said, Chris, what's going on? He's like, look, she really likes the hat. Can she just wear the hat for the party? He's like, I'll take full responsibility. I'm like, Chris, that that hat was a gift. And he's like, listen, I know, I know you're upset. I'm going to take full responsibility for it. He's like, you just outed Chris, by the way. You just said his name three times. I didn't say the last. I could have made it up. I could have. Could have just. <laughs> so you know, party goes on. The party goes on, and then he comes to me at the end of the night. He said, "Listen, just hear me out." I said, "What?" He's like, "She wants to wear the hat home, back oh, to the dorms." No. I'm like, "Chris, absolutely not." I said, "That it absolutely can't leave this house." He's like, "Listen, again, what am I going to do?" I'm gonna I'm gonna take full responsibility for this. Fine. So he walks her home. I'm like sitting waiting for him to come back. He comes back, no hat in his hand. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, listen, she wants to keep the hat for the night, but now it gives me a reason to go back there and I get to see her the next day. I will get the hat. I get like a second date. I bring the hat back to you. Everything's good. Chris, I, I don't like this. I, I don't like it. I don't like this. This is a, this is a dumb plan. Anything could go wrong. Next morning, I said, well, go get the hat. He goes, he comes back. I said, where's the hat? He's like, she lost it. Unbelievable. <laughs> she lost, she lost it. Yeah. She looked everywhere. She doesn't know where it's at. I'm like, all right, well, you, you clearly, you owe me a new hat. You owe me a new hat. This hat, the replacement hat, I don't even have a story of how I got this. I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I bought it. I don't think it was, maybe Mary Lou bought it for me. I'll have to ask her. But anyway, it's, uh, it doesn't have the memories that the other hat has, but it's okay. Indiana Jones lost his hat. The original hat, and I'm so sorry you lost it. That's that's I, I don't even know what to say about that. But wasn't that like part of the? Like, I think they actually released an Indiana Jones line of fedoras at the time, and I think the hat that you got in '84 was that. Like it was a. Well, that, is that one like a sanctioned? Is it got the? Oh, it, it is sanctioned. Look at that. I didn't even see that. Wow, that's yeah. actually legit, totally legit. So I remember when I was 13, when I mean, you got that hat. I was insanely jealous of of you having that fedora, and I was just like, man, because like, <laughs> indie indie was my thing, and I'm going to get into the, a little bit of that in a second. But like, I was 13 and very impressionable, and like, he was just like my, I guess my role model, my you know the guy that I looked up to in movies was was absolutely Indiana Jones. So I think mom and dad finally finally realized that you know they needed to do right by this, and they needed to get me something, so they took me to. Stetson Hats, and I think Stetson Hats was based in Danbury, Danbury, if, Connecticut. That's right, hat capital of the world. I ended up getting one. So that Halloween, so this would be Halloween 84. Obviously, I'm going to dress up as Indiana Jones for Halloween. So I wanted to be as authentic as possible from the movie Temple of Doom. So at the end of the movie, as you recall, he loses a, a shirt sleeve. So he's got, you know, one arm is exposed and, you know, he's fighting off the thuggy guards. And thuggy guards. so I, I wanted to do that same thing. So I had like the 
I had the hat, I had the satchel, I had the, you know, the dirtied work shirt, but, um, you know, I wanted to lose a sleeve. So mom's like, well, it's October in, in Bethel, Connecticut. It's very cold out. I'm not letting you walk around with one sleeve, you know, cut off your, of your, of your shirt. So what we did is we went out, I think we went to like G Fox or something in the Denbury Fair Mall. And we, we found a, a, I guess, a flesh colored sweater. And I wore that sweater and then I put the shirt on top of it and I still had the cutoff sleeve, but yeah. my arm was, my arm was covered from the, from the elements. And that was, that was my, uh, I, yeah. I thought it looked pretty damn good. I do, you have the good. Pic, do you have the picture? I don't. I, because- I, I, I know there's a photo of that somewhere that exists. And I think you had even gotten me a whip at some point for my birthday present or somebody got me the whip. I mean, obviously I had the whip too. So that was my Halloween costume in 84 and then 85, 85, I think I was starting to age out on Halloween. I think that might have been my last year. I feel like right. I was pushing it when I was indie. But 85 was the summer of, of Rambo, First Blood Part 2. And I was a huge fan of, of the first one and definitely of Rambo. So I think I did Rambo that Halloween. had the bandana, had the, the toy M16 and, and all that. But I think at that point, I was starting to feel like, all right, I'm getting a little old for this. I need to. <laughs> well, this, this week when I was planning my write-up, I was kind of writing in my mind like I'm, like I'm prone to do. I had texted our sister Patricia and I said, look, I'm going to write up a big Indiana Jones thing on Saturday for the anniversary. I said, you know, I know that Jack had our nephew Jack had been uh, Indiana Jones back when he was nine or 10. I said, can you send me that photo? I said, and I said, I seem to remember the Dennis photo of Temple of Doom because you were standing there and you had that that big yep. like machete knife over your shoulder with your, right. Yeah. And you were standing there and you didn't have the jacket on because you're like, mom, at the scene at the bridge scene that I'm trying to recreate. He didn't have the jacket on. I don't know where the jacket was back in the hotel room, but it was just all ripped shirt with the thing. And you look really tough. You know, you're yep. kind of dirtied up. It's good stuff. Uh, why would I wear the jacket? I'm, I'm going for authenticity. He didn't wear the jacket at that part of the movie. I'm not going to wear the jacket. Yeah, you can't wear the jacket. But yeah, she. I, I, I swear when we were going through mom's stuff, I swear I saw that photo, but it's it's not on my person. We'll keep, we'll keep looking. I had such a thing for Indiana Jones when I was you know, 12, 13 that you know, the family had gotten me a parakeet for Christmas one year. And I, it must have been you know, somewhere around 83 or 84, something like that. And, and I named my bird Indy. Yeah, uh, you know, and I had I had Indy for quite some time, and I think I, I had like a little Indiana Jones button that I had attached to his cage. I don't and, feel like uh, we were parakeet people. Do you feel like looking back, no, we, were, we weren't no. parakeet people? It was an it was an odd it was an odd purchase. Yeah, like you had the cover, and it made so much noise, and it made such a mess. And we're like, why is this in our house? I mean, it, we had this was like one of our first pets. We didn't even have a dog. And it was like, now we've got this thing screaming in your room in a cage. Remember, I was like, the whole cage would shake when it got rattled up. I'm like, why do we have this? But, you know, he was indie. So we yeah, had listen, that. He was indie. Indy was a buddy. He, you know, he, he had a pretty good run. I think he lived like five, six years, something like that. And uh, I took good care of him. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> he was no dog. You gave but him a good life. Uh, you gave him a good life. He did. He did. And I, I took good care of him. And I hope that, you know, the, his namesake was something that he appreciated. Listen, I stand behind Temple of Doom. Um I had, you know, what you said earlier about Raiders, about, you know, that that movie was made for, you know, a 10-year-old. That's kind of how I felt about Temple of Doom. And and listen, Temple of Doom is not as good of a film as the first or the third. And I but it is good and I felt like at 13 years old that movie was exactly what I wanted it to be, which was just this like nonstop, you know, thrill ride, roller coaster movie. You know, it was relentless in a way and it really didn't stop. I don't think it was it was particularly deep in story like Raiders was, which was probably the big difference. But certainly, uh, I mean, do you still hold it in like decent to high regard? I absolutely do. And I got to tell you what, I mean, one of my notes for the podcast today was I thought I was going to have to defend 
Temple of Doom because I thought maybe three or four years ago you had thrown something out to me about how it hadn't aged well. And I was like, I don't even I don't know who this guy is talking right now. What wow. are you even saying to me? So the fact that you're back in Indy's good graces from Temple of Doom, I mean, that's, you know, again, it's not Raiders. You know, it's not Last Crusade. It's not the fourth movie. But I mean, it was I mean, it's over the top and it is just wonderful, wonderful action. And um, I love it. I, I, I love, I did. I mean, I remember having, I feel like I saw, I saw Indy and then a week later I saw it again, but this was like back in the time when like you and I saw movies like multiple times in the theater. Like I, I, you know, I don't remember how many times we ended up seeing Raiders. I was probably too, a little too young to see it too many times, but back in Temple of Doom, I felt like I saw that movie like five times in the theater. I mean, it also played in theaters for, I agree. you know, six, six or seven months, sometimes even longer back then. So obviously they just weren't, weren't as many movies to choose from, but that movie was like a, a huge, huge influential part of my childhood. So no, I mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe felt like it doesn't really carry, carry the the same as the other two, but certainly a uh, special place. So last crusade came, comes out in 89 yet. Once again, you and I happened to see that movie together. Um, it's amazing how we ended up seeing all three of them in the theaters, but you were about to go to, um, I think you were, but you had just graduated Penn state, oh. right? Oh, I was getting ready to start the rest of my life. I was terrified. The big move, the big move to Washington. So I remember seeing it with you um, in the theater in Connecticut. I think at some point you were still like you had yet to move. But then you want to talk about the move down to D.C. Because I think we we ended up seeing it again, right? Well, I don't, I don't know if, I, if I'm remembering it the way you remembered it. I thought that I enlisted you, that I needed to move my bedroom set from my childhood. We had bunk beds. Remember, we had bunk beds. And at some point when we moved to Connecticut... We separated the bunk beds and I was like, can you separate bunk beds? And, you know, mom and dad are like, oh, yeah, he's going to have his. I'm going to have mine. So I enlisted you. We rented a van and you and I filled the van with my dresser, my desk, the bed and like some clothes. And then we drove the van down. But I thought we had to get back. I thought we drove all the way back to see Last Crusade, to see it in Connecticut. This is what happened. Tell me. So you're, you're very close. I'm we intrigued drove, by we, this. We, we drove down. It was right after I graduated, or I was about to, about to graduate um, high school. It was 89, and we drove this van, and uh, we're listening to the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Oh, it we, was were a lot getting, of, we were getting jiggy. Right? It was a lot of, a lot of Bobby Brown on that soundtrack, <laughs> if memory serves. And uh, not a very good sequel, but we, you know, whatever. So we get there, we get to Virginia, we unpack your, your, uh, your van and we moved your stuff in. And I remember your house didn't have much AC. I think it was very hot in your house. Very hot. We, that was Jimmy Toy's house. Exactly. So we were, I think we wanted to get out of the house because it was so hot. So we decided like, let's go do something because it was like a Friday night or maybe it was like a weeknight or something. So anyway, we checked the paper. Um, Indy's playing at the Lee Highway multiplex. I think you live near there or something yeah, like I did. that. Right? Yeah, I did. And uh, it was playing, if memory serves, it was playing in 70 millimeter, which we had yet to see Indy oh, in. 70 millimeter. So we went over to see Indy, uh, you know, spent the night in uh, Virginia, and then we, we had a haul ass back to Connecticut the next day for an employee screening at the Palace of Batman. Oh, Batman. Was that what we did? Did I yep. get to go to that? Yeah, I, t- I took you. I was still working for the oh, theater. Right. That does. I knew we had a book back for something. So that's the but way we were it nervous. Like it was like an early afternoon. Yeah. Like, we Burton's Batman. And I think you and I were speeding and like we had to get packed by 
I don't know, one o'clock or something like that to make sure we saw Batman before the rest oh, of the world. Man. That was important, right? Yeah, it's like 325 miles door to door. That's a that's a haul. And that was before you and I were like doing the long distance drive all the time. So that was a big that was a big deal. Yeah, listen, um, what else do you want to talk about on Raiders, Jim? Anything else that's on your mind that I haven't covered? Well, yeah, so there was two things. So so I did, you know, again, we talked about a lot of the stuff today, but I did a big write up on how Raiders was important to me on Facebook. And there was there was I, I missed I forgot about the story about us driving the van down but again i I, the the biggest thing i should have closed with this so you and i are both um we have a lot in common but you and i are both painted men and my 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 fifth i think it was my fifth tattoo that i got when i turned 50 i got my son's name oliver tattooed on my left shoulder in the indiana jones font i don't know how i could have left that out that's such a and it's in the actual font with the, with in, the orange and the yellow and it's it's in the actual font it looks spectacular i won't show it to you right now but i i complete i completely left that out so i was kicking myself and i was almost going to go back in and edit my facebook update but i'm like nah just leave it alone but I mean, um, you remember me when i was a kid you know probably <clears throat> a little bit older than oliver is now but like i was obsessed over drawing movie logos oh my and, god and, and i think that partially explains why i work in entertainment marketing now because it's it's allowed me to be some, something closer to to that world and but i remember back in you know 82 83 when we started watching movies on the vcr i started collecting movies and i did this thing where i i have binders of these where i would do movie reviews um and i think i've even posted a few of these on instagram over the last couple of years but i would draw by freehand the logo for each of those movies that i did the review for so Whatever the logo looked like, that's what I, I I practiced, and I had markers and pencils, and but I I got that Raiders logo down. I could probably still do it right now, like pretty well. I would say pretty well. You had bags and like cookie tins filled with colored pencils, markers, highlighters. Yep. You're like, yep. oh, I think I'll do this one in marker, and I'm like, okay, and you'd be sitting there cranking them out. I would do that stuff by the hour. I mean, just like over and over again. And I remember my, our grandparents would come by and they'd want to read the reviews and the, they're like, what, 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 what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> that, was good. that was good stuff. Um, the, the other note I had on here, because um, I, I figured we were going to touch on the on uh, movies two and three. I, I think that, you know, when Last Crusade came out, I think it hit a pretty hard nostalgic um, box for me. Um, it was, I, I felt like, and I started thinking about it today. I felt like, you know, Harrison Ford was kind of like our childhood hero. And I felt like by taking him and like taking dad's hero, you know, when he was a younger man in Sean Connery and putting them together and like somehow like just joining two generations of film goer, I was pretty magical. I mean, dad's, you know, dad loved James Bond. He loved the hunt for October, but the fact that they put these two guys in a movie together, an action movie that we can, you know, sit and watch with dad, it was pretty, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. I never, I actually never made that connection about the whole bond uh, indie thing. Cause yeah, we were, we were Ford guys and he was a Connery guy, but yeah, I do recall dad loving Connery and last crusade. And, and and listen, I mean, last crusade is very high on my list. I'm a huge fan of that movie. And you know, the way they wrap that movie up when they all ride off into the sunset on the horses, it's like, I, you know, what a great way to end a trilogy. Yeah. And that's all it was, was the trilogy. It was a trilogy, right? Cause yeah, you know, you know what I'm getting at. I there's, think the fourth movie is coming out next year, right? Yeah. I mean, I heard that there's rumors that they're, they're making a fourth movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it I think yet, it comes but. out 2022, the fourth movie. Uh, listen, I, the only, the only last question I have for you on, on Raiders um, is I, I was reading, I guess this was, um, 
I read I read a book about George Lucas a, a couple years ago about his career, which actually was 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 pretty fascinating guy. Um, didn't love that the you know the prequels that he did, but I, I think he's a, a great storyteller. And there is a I guess a rumor that in the Well of the Souls that the there's a drawing of R two D two and and C three PO. I've watched Raiders a million times, like you have. Have you ever seen that drawing in there? Because I haven't seen. Nope. It. I, well, I, we looked for it last night, and I think it's. I did absolutely. And and when we were in that scene with when him and Sala are lifting the the arc out of that the big cavity, you know, we actually got on the internet. I said, hit pause. We're gonna find it right now. And you know, they 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 did that all all the stills you ever see. It's just the picture of them in hieroglyphics, but they don't. They don't situate it anywhere in the well of souls, but I have yeah. never seen it live. I've never stopped it and be like, there it is right there. But the fact yeah. that it's there someplace, that's good enough for me. So I guess if we have to go back to the bar one more time, that's yeah. another question I yeah. would ask. I would have to ask Spielberg because I would like to see that. I've looked and I just can't find it. So. I would give him a cocktail napkin and be like, so just draw the map of the well of souls. <laughs> Tell me where to look. Tell me what frame it is. He probably knows. He's like, look, it's an hour and, and 12 minutes in. Look at look over Indy's shoulder. Like I thought it was like on a column. Like when he when they put the posts through the the picture that I saw is when they put the posts through. It's on a column right over his right shoulder. I didn't see it. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, Jim, this, this has been fun. I'm so glad we did this. I think you know when I was thinking about doing this podcast last year, I you know I, I wrestled with this notion of do I have it focus on you know marketing and media and business, and I've definitely done a few episodes of that. But I also wanted to do, you know, like you and I like to say, one for us. And for us. and and I definitely like to do some episodes about movies because that's my passion. And and this was a perfect example of, of an episode that I wanted to do just to focus on something singular. I, I, I have another one coming back really soon with a really good friend of mine. That one's being recorded this week. So there's another episode coming out soon. And I have to make one uh, very kind plea, if you'll permit me, is that if you're enjoying these podcasts, please tell your friends, tell your coworkers, share my posts, share the link. Um, trying to build this audience, I'm I'm consistent, but I definitely would like to get a little bit more if I can. So that's my little uh, my little plea to my listeners. But Jim, Raiders just turned 40 years old. Um, what can I say? We are, as you said earlier, we are simply passing through history, and this podcast, this is history. How do you think about that? I I love it. I think you and I better figure out how to see the fourth movie when it comes out together. I don't want to break the streak. So one one of us is flying three thousand miles, but I'm I'm you know Indy Indy went a lot farther than that to find yep. the, the ark. So I think I'm committed. I, well, listen, I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure to talk about it, and uh, I'll let you get back to it. And uh, as Indy says, adios, Sapito. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. All right, take care. <laughs>